But as, as I was praying about this talk, um, I, I was, you know, God's been so good to River City Church. You know, you hear these songs that Paul writes that he sings that we respond to and Lex and Derek and all of our worship leaders that we're amazingly blessed. And just by the way, so you know that the CDs that we sell, 100% of that music goes back to our worship department so we can continue to do what we're doing. But I mean, those songs that we write are all stories of, of what God is doing and how good God has been to River City Church. And, and the same thing has been true with me. As I've sat down to prepare to speak, I've just said, Lord, you know, what do you want to talk about? And I just heard him clearly say, there's three groups I want to talk to this morning. There's three groups of people, not three people, but three groups of people. And, and this has, I don't think it's three people. That would be bad, because that means I probably didn't hear from the Lord. It's just three people, but you never know. Um, but as I was praying, um, I felt like these are the three people, the three groups of people that God wants to speak to. And, and I think it will probably cover a lot of us. And in no way, do you, you know me, I don't use guilt, I don't use shame to motivate people, do I? I? I try not to do that, even though when I get excited sometimes, my volume, intonation, tone, everything raises, and I get, you know, it sounds like, like this is the most important point to ever be made from the pulpit in the history of the church. But uh, that certainly isn't my intention today. My intention is just to simply say what I feel like God said to me to say to you. And, um, and these are the three, the three things I feel like. And these, are, these have to do with people that I'm, I'm currently, that we've been working with and they've been, you know, I've been involved with this week. So I don't think that, it's, that that was an accident or anything. You'll hear some of their stories as I talk about them through the talk. Okay, first group. If God's telling you to do something, you need to do it. Okay. So think about that. If God has told you to do something, you need to do it. So if there's a group of people in here who have clearly heard from God, he's spoken to you. You're not in the phase of, I'm not really sure yet. My friends, have they're kind of coming back on the other side of the coin. I'm way, I, it's, I think I've heard from them, but I'm just not da-da-da-da-da. I'm speaking specifically to people who have heard from God. And when I say that, you know who you are. Because something inside of you just goes, oh, that's me. I wonder what he's going to talk to me about today. Well, I'll tell you in a minute, okay? Second group, if you're frustrated that God is not delivering on his promises, and what I mean by that is this. You know, last week, we had a really powerful week. We had, you know, 100, over 100 people. Like, almost everyone came forward. A lot of people came forward for prayer. That was an exaggeration. A lot of people. Lots of people. And, um, and we had a, lot, a big time of prophecy where, where God was really speaking words over the whole church to specific individuals about specific things they were supposed to do. And it came to my attention, they said, Antley, but what about the people who aren't hearing from God? What about the people whose marriages aren't being restored? What about the people who aren't being healed? And I feel like this is the second group. If you're frustrated with God and delivering on his promises, not being healed, that your marriage or relational problems are not changing, that you're experiencing, or that you're not experiencing joy or life to the full or whatever, you need to ask him why. You need to ask him why aren't you delivering on what you've told me you'll do in my life? Okay? That's for all of you that are frustrated right now with Jesus and God for not doing what he seems to be doing with everyone else. Okay? So that's the second group. The third group is this. If when you come forward for prayer and people who are praying for you consistently don't have words for you, like you come forward, you're trusted God, you're right here, you're doing the whole deal, looking like a penguin, saying, Lord, I want whatever you have for me. And someone comes up to you and they go, we are blessed what you're doing, Lord. And, and, and the way, what you hear when, the, when, you, when that's said is, oh, they don't have any words for me. God doesn't want to say nothing to me today. And you get frustrated, don't you? And, you're, and, and you hear people give testimonies about these powerful words that are happening in their life. 
So if that's you, I believe that God wants to speak to you, directly to you, not through someone else. He doesn't want you to keep waiting through the week to get here on Sunday to come forward and maybe hear from God. But the third group is a group of people who he wants to speak to during the week. And the reason you're getting frustrated, I think, is because you're waiting to the weekend to hear from him when he wants to speak directly to you every day. Okay, so those are the three groups of people. All of us are created like a firework to shine in a dark world, to wow people, to cause people to scatter, to look up and to wonder of a God that is beautiful, a God that is powerful and desires more than anything for us to live a life in dependence on him. However, when we don't do what God is telling us to do, people see our independence, not our dependence. When people see us struggling with life or God and our solution for these problems look just like theirs, people do not see our dependence on God. They see our independence. And when your day does not include spending time with God, people don't see a dependence, a necessity of God in in your life. They see your independence. Now, I know we just celebrated Independence Day. I know that we just celebrated July 4th, and I don't want to take anything away from that. There's something very powerful and amazing about who we are and where we've come as a result of our independence. However, I do want to make the point that we were not created to be independent. We were not created to stand alone. We should not revel and be prideful and glorify the idea of being an independent person, an independent man or woman, an independent family, or even an independent nation. We will only become, you will only become, as a church, we will only become who God created us to be when we start living in dependence, total dependence on Jesus Christ. Now, this can be tricky, and I know it can be tricky, because at River City Church, people, you know, you hear us talk a lot about freedom, the freedom that Christ offers us for everyone who comes to him, and he does. Freedom from our sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from fear, freedom from settling for a boring life, freedom from anxiety and stress that come from the world and its problems. All of that freedom occurs We understand and we talk about because of our restored relationship to the Father. We're made right with God, old out, new agenda in, his kingdom, his priorities, and we are set free from all those things. And so one sense, we are free. And we hear that word freedom, we think we're independent, we're free from those things. We don't need those things anymore. And that's true, but your freedom, our freedom was not free. There was a price that had to be paid by Jesus to gain us our freedom from those things. The price he paid for your freedom was death. And what he gained was independence. Jesus, the author of life, suffered death. That's kind of ironic. The author of life, the one who created life, suffered death so that you could have life to the full. 
A price was paid for you to have life to the full. The freedom that you have, there was a price that was paid. Jesus, in a perfect relationship with his Father and the Spirit, we call it the Trinity. I went to a speech doctor this week, and they said, your throat's all jacked up. You need to talk higher. Like, talk just a little higher. I can't do that. I'm not going to try now. But anyway. But Jesus, perfectly in relationship with the Father and the Spirit, the Trinity, was totally dependent on both. Yet, totally dependent on both. But his own person, totally dependent on both. He was separated from them. He was made independent, apart from them for the first time. And the creation of the world, he was apart from them, made independent, so that you could be in relationship with them, made totally dependent. Totally pulled into and a part of the Trinity. First Corinthians says it this way. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I know that translation is difficult for some people, so I have the message. It says this. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns The whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. So you're free, but you still belong to God, dependent on him. Galatians 5.1 says it this way. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And this is the message for those who like the message. Lex. Christ has set us free to live. (laughs) It says the exact same thing. I'm not even going to read it, okay? Okay, so you're thinking, okay, I get it. I get it. Christ has died to set me free. I'm free indeed, all these things. Christ has set me free. I'm a slave. Slave no longer, right? Unless I'm a slave to him? Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. How can that be freedom, Antley, if I'm still a slave, if I'm still dependent? That seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? How can you be free if you're still a slave? Well, this is how. We will only be free. You can only be free by becoming a slave to Christ, totally dependent on him for everything. And Paul says it well in Romans 6. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We know that our old self was crucified. And our old self being the selfish self, the independent self, this, the part of yourself that desires to please only you, that feels like you don't need anyone else, feels like you're not going to do what God wants you to do, feels like you're not gonna, you don't need to spend time with God. That's what we're dying to. That, that's what was crucified with Christ, with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, that that is dead and gone, so that, we would no longer be enslaved to sin. But the problem that we have is that we want our freedom. We love our freedom, don't we? We love to do things our way in our time when we want how we want. We want our freedom, but we still want control and independence to do life like we think, we think life 
should be done. And the reality is that many of you, because you're in one of these three groups, are probably demonstrating by the way that you live that you're not free, that you don't have freedom, and that you're not dependent on Christ. Group one, if God has told you to do something, you know that he has told you to do, and you still don't do it, there's only one reason. There's only one reason. You don't want to depend on him. You don't see around the corner. You don't know what's next. And so you do what you want to do instead of doing what he's telling you to do. But in that position, we could never, we can't reflect God in that situation. We don't reflect the power of God and what he can do. We only reflect our best rational decision-making, what we see in front of us. You know, this week, I was able to meet with some people that came into my office. I meet with lots of people who come to my office. I love it. Actually, I don't, but I do it anyway because it's part of my job. But, so if you want to meet with me, just know that that's probably, you know, 50-50. If you're catching me on a good day, I want to be with you. But um, anyway, I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you. I love you all. I'd love, I do love meeting with you, especially people like this that came into my office, people I met with this week who started ministry to people with AIDS. They started ministry to people with AIDS, people who have AIDS they're ministering to, okay? And this is how it started. They heard God. They were at a worship service, and they heard God say something like, hey, you're supposed to be involved with this ministry to people with AIDS. No one else is loving them. They're like, what does that look like? We don't know what that looks like. And they started praying. They just started doing it. They just started, like, praying about, okay, God, we're going to do this. And one thing led to another. Now they do these amazing baskets to, um, you know, women who are pregnant, getting ready to have children. They love them through this way. And it cost them their church. Their church didn't want to have anything to do with their ministry because they were afraid of people with AIDS coming to their church. And so they said, well, we're going to find a church. And they went and started meeting with pastors throughout Jacksonville. And they haven't been able to find anyone. For a long time, they've been without a church because they stepped off the cliff. They couldn't see around the corner, but they were obedient. And they said, Lord, we're going to depend on you. We don't know what this is going to look like. And they're doing this amazing ministry to AIDS. And I'm like, what's the, what's the problem? I was like, well, first tell me about AIDS. And so they're like telling me about it, you know, re- refreshing my memory about all the things, the difference between having AIDS and HIV positive and all this stuff. I'm like, well, tell how, how is it transmitted? Like, how do you catch it? You know, and they're like, sharing needles, blood, tra- blood transfusion, and sex. I'm like, sweet. We'll stop doing all those things at church, and they can come. I mean, what's the problem? That seems like a no-brainer for me. We're not even doing any of those things at River City Church. During the church time, at least. I don't understand the issue here. So I'm like, heck yeah, we're going to do ministry to aged people. Yeah, bring it on. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? It was so refreshing to sit with people who just said, we're going to depend on God. We don't see around the corner. We're just going to go for it. And it's so exciting to come around them now. You know, they're talking about, you know, that they, they can't even know who the people that they're making these baskets for are because the rules are so strict about those people, their identity being revealed because of how they will be shamed in the community. I thought those, those people, talk about wounds, they need to be in River City Church because we believe God brings restoration and transformation physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 
And we believe that they show up here, that God can heal them of AIDS, that God will heal their wounds, that we'll love them well. Right? Group two. So, group one, in stepping out, people will see your dependence on God, and they'll want to follow you. They'll want to become a slave to the person that you're trusting. They see that kind of dependence. They see that kind of life. They see you step out. People are excited and attracted to people who do that. That's exciting. Dependence on God is exciting. Independence is no fun. Independence is exhausting. Group two, if you're frustrated that God is not delivering on his promises, again, that you're not being healed, that you're not your marriage relationship, you're still having problems, you have issues with your kids, things that aren't changing in your life, you're not experiencing joy in life to the full, but you're hearing testimonies of people that are. You know, again, I think that God wants you to talk to him about that, that God wants you to ask him. And we need, and you know, why ask him? Because I think this is why he wants you to come to him. Because he's the only one who's going to be able to give you an answer. If you have a question for God, odds are that anybody but God will be able to answer it, right? I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but that seems to be the right answer. If, God, if you have a question that God's placed in your heart, you need to pursue him. We don't know why God does what he does. We don't know when God's going to do it. And we don't know what it's going to look like. It's his kingdom and his rule. Right? It's his kingdom. It's his rule. His rules. He makes those things happen, not us. And we don't know the answers. When you ask your friends, you ask other people, you read books about it, it's not God. He wants you to depend on him for the answers. You know, this happened, you know I got to a point, it was a huge tr- turning point. I've been a Christian for about 20 years, and I was in a, in a job. And, uh, and I didn't know what was next. But there was a part of me that was hungry for more. I knew there was more. But I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. I, I, what, and, and basically what was driving was a reality that, what I read in the Bible was not matching up with my life. And I was in ministry. And I was like, why am I always tired? I'm always exhausted. I'm always frustrated. I'm not seeing the fruit that the Bible talks about. You know, I'm trying to do everything that Jesus is doing except for the really cool and fun stuff. And, you know, what's going on here, Lord? Why, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it took me about four years of asking that question, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, we started worship service out of this question, all this stuff. And finally, I went to God and I said, Lord, what are you saying to me here? And this is what he said to me. It's the first time I ever really heard God clearly in my life. And you've heard me tell this story, some of you. I was in the line at Starbucks, and he said, Antley, are you willing to step away from what you're doing now, not knowing what I have next for you? Are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to depend on me? And I said, yeah. And that was the beginning of me leaving the job I was in, living month to month, not knowing where my income was going to come from, and to trust God. And from that place, I thought I was going to be a pastor in China. And that's what people said. You're gonna, you should go to seminary. You should train to be a pastor. You should do this, that, and the other. And I thought the last thing I would do is start a church in Jacksonville. There's 1,500 here. There's like zero bear. Oh, there's a few in China. I'm going to go over there. You know, much better success rate, you know, if you're average like me. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. What was in that place of not knowing what was next that God brought me to London? And that people asked me to lead 
the River City Church plant. And again, if I, when I was asking people about River City Church, about what I should do, should I leave this, should I go to lunch, should I do these things, they're like, dude, you got to be careful about where you build your fire, the fireplace you build your fire in. Who are those people? You know what I mean? Like all these questions, all these concerns, all these thoughts came up. And God was as clear, clear as day was saying, yes, do this, do this. And he was just, he was leading me along, walking through the doors as he opened them. You know, more than anything, God wants our solutions to come from him, for us to be totally dependent on him, because he knows that when we rely on our own solutions, we will, we will remain enslaved. We will remain enslaved to those solutions, to our best ideas, to our rationale. And God desires for us to be free. Christ has died to bring us freedom. He was forced to be independent from from what he loved the most, so that we would have the opportunity to be dependent on the Father, dependent on his move in our life and his leading in our life. And we do that, and people notice that we're not relying or depending on what the world offers or what we can do for ourselves, and that we have a peace and a rest in the midst of our struggles that communicates a dependence on something greater than ourselves. And can bring solutions that we cannot change. Someone said, to me, said this to me the other day, a few weeks ago, and it really has, God's used it to continue to speak to me. And I think speak to this group of people who are frustrated that things aren't changing in their life. But you keep coming forward, don't you? You keep coming forward for prayer, even though you don't see the Holy Spirit. You don't feel the Holy Spirit. You're not having the experiences that other people are having. You keep coming forward. And I told this person, I was like, I just don't see it. I was like, I'm stepping out. I'm going for it. I, I don't know why God's not doing more. And this is what the person said to me. They said, Antley, they said, you remember that verse? It says that we have faith not because of what we see. Blessed are those who have faith, not because of what they see in their life, not because of what they are experiencing in their life, but they have faith and they believe because of what they don't see, but they believe that it's true anyway. And so if you're frustrated, keep pursuing the one, the only one who can give you answers. And group three, how are you going to know that God has told you to do something or know what his solutions are for your life if you're not spending time with him? And this might seem like a simple message because it is a simple message. I didn't pick the three groups that God wants to speak to. This is just between you and him, okay? But this is the deal. The main reason that is so important for us to make time in our day to spend with Jesus This is what fires him up because it demonstrates to him. It communicates to him, I need you. I need you. I need to spend time with you, not because it's something I check off, not because it's something that people are going to ask me about or that people see. It's because I really need you, Jesus. I really believe that I need you. Look, I'm spending time with you. See? I need you. That's what faith is. And God gets fired up about faith. And spending time with him is what we do when we believe that we need Jesus. That we depend on Jesus. That we're not independent. You know, church, small groups, being on the worship team, meeting with the River City Church staff, your spouse, your family, your job, were not created to be a substitute and cannot substitute your time with Jesus. All of those things are great, but if you're not taking time to listen to Jesus, receive his love, his answers, and cultivate a relationship with him, then you really don't depend on him. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. 
If you're not doing that, you're not depending on Jesus. That's just that simple, I think. I mean, that's like, that's like that point in the talk where it's the most important thing I've said in the history of all the church. I just said it like that. I didn't mean to make you feel guilty. But it's just a matter of fact. It's just a matter of fact. When you neglect being in relationship, then you're not in relationship. I'm speaking to myself here, all right? I can tell you're all sad now. You're all like, Haley's spanking us. She's being mean to us. I struggle with this. I'm busy like you're busy. I know that it's difficult. I'm just saying, that's what God wants to say to a group of people here today. All right? So don't, I don't I said something really inappropriate. Okay. You know, the reason that we have Sabbath is so we can stop what we're doing and demonstrate that God can make up the difference. The reason we have Sabbath yeah, it's about worshiping God. But in worshiping God, we stop worshiping ourselves. We stop worshiping our own ability. We stop committing idolatry. We stop, let go of what we think has to be done and depend on God to finish his work that he started within us. That's what the Sabbath is all about. That's why it's so important to take the Sabbath because it demonstrates to God that I'm depending on you to finish your work and what you've started in my life. And the sense I had when I was talking to the people about hearing God, hearing from God during ministry time, when you come forward, and him wanting to speak to you directly during the week. He wants to speak to you directly during the week. And that's why you're not hearing from him on Sunday morning. Not that you shouldn't come forward still, because we believe when we invite the Holy Spirit, he always comes and does stuff. But if you want to hear from him, and you know who you are, you've been frustrated, you haven't been hearing from God, It's because God wants to speak to you this week, tomorrow. So sometime, go home. That could mean like putting on the headphones and, you know, doing the vacuum. Baby, don't don't touch this. You know, that would be a bad song to dance and try to worship to. But anyway, put some worship music on and soak, you know. Do your chores. Turn off everything in the car when you're driving to work. Just listen to God. Seriously, get in the car. I'm listening to you, Jesus. Hear the purr of my engines, like the purr of my heart. Bring it, baby, you know? And you're driving to work, listening to Jesus. You know, I don't know what it'll look like for you. Start with five minutes, ten minutes, and just say, all right, I'm listening to you. What do you want to say? And just wait. And see what God says, and then write it down. Just see what he says and write it down. And then, like, show it to someone, like, am I on crack? Is this, is this God or not? You know, and just ask people around you to confirm it or not. And, just, and then you do that one or two times, and you'll want to do it more, and you'll want to do it more, and you'll want to do it more. You have to listen if you're going to hear him. And taking this time with him, you're demonstrating that you depend on him, and you need this time to know his love for you and what he has called you to do. And there are no shortcuts, folks. There's no shortcuts. We just have to make time to do it. Simple message. And I know it's hard to do some of these things I've talked about today. It's hard to follow him when we can't see around the corner. It's hard to keep on getting after him when it seems like he's not answering you. And I know it's hard to come forward for prayer and not have the experiences that it seems like everyone else is having around you. But God wants you to be free by becoming more and more dependent on him. There are no no shortcuts, and there are lots of risks. There are. I'm not saying this. It's easy. 
But when we choose to live life in a way that demonstrates we depend on Christ, we find our freedom in being a slave to his ways. So backwards. When we live this way, when we get after him, we find life to the full. We find freedom in becoming a slave to Jesus Christ. And what happens? What happens when we do that? Others take notice. Others take notice. And Christ becomes a beautiful firework in a dark world. How to end with something catchy? Let's stand. We're going to have ministry.